are faithful, Lord. You are faithful to us. You are faithful to our church. You are faithful to our family. And we praise you today. We worship you. We adore you, Lord. We come before you today. Expecting great things from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Good morning. Yeah. Buenos dias. Eh? Wow, we are already in the month of April, and for me, time flies. I mean, since yesterday, when Pastor Roy went to the airport to pick us up, uh, to bring us to our new house, and, um, and today, well, we have the opportunity, today is a great day, amen? Let, let's start with that. Can you turn your neighbor and say, today is a great day? Yeah, you can say in English, you can say in Spanish, today is un gran día, in any language, even in tongues, go ahead. Today is a great day. It's great to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen? So, uh, today, we have the opportunity, today, to decide whether to build our future. How many of you wants to build something today? Yeah? Let's build something together. We have the opportunity to build our future by following God's purpose for our lives. Or, we also have the choice to postpone it. By continuing to be indifferent towards him, or in the worst of the cases, uh, destroy the future through a life of disobedience, rebellion, and unbelief. I don't want to be there. You? No, I want to build. So the best gift God has given you today is today. I'm going to say it one more time. The best gift that God has given to you today is today. It's being right here, right now. That's great. How many of you are happy to be alive today? Yeah, to be here. So it's, it's this blessing of being here present by, by His mercies. The blessing of having another chance, another shot, another opportunity to follow His direction. So that we can fulfill the divine assignment that He has played for our lives. My friend, life is a gift. Life is a test. And life is a temporary assignment. You have a divine assignment. Amen. You know that? Huh. God has given you a task, a calling, something to do for His kingdom. And today is the day to accomplish that assignment. So uh, today the sermon is, is titled, Build Your Future and Achieve Your Purpose. Amen? Amen. Turn your neighbor and say you are looking at the builder. I'm a builder, man. <laughs> okay? I'm here to build. No, I'm not build. I mean built. <laughs> to build. You, God is calling you to build your life. God is calling you to build your family. And God is calling you to build your church. It's his church, but it's also yours. He's calling you to be a builder. So, um, with that say, let's do something, okay? Are you ready to turn into a messenger of God today? Amen? Yeah, you ready or not? Are you ready to bless the life of another? Are you ready? Okay. So, on the count of three, we're going to look for someone, and we will tell them in a firm, confident, and strong voice... That his life has a purpose. 
Someone needs to hear this today. We're going to encourage each other this morning. Amen? We're going to tell each other to not give up, to stay strong. So the count of three, if you want to stand up and go and look for someone else, you f- be free. Do it. Okay? So on the count of three, I want you to go to someone, maybe someone that you never uh, have spoken before, and say you have a purpose. Amen? One. Oh, let's, let's do it in Spanish. Uno. Dos. And then... Tres. Now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Fast. 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 Your life has a purpose. Come on. Come on. Encourage someone. Encourage someone. Come on. Come on. Quickly. Quickly. The, the one here in the front. Go to the back. The, the one in the back. Go to the front. Come on. Encourage someone. Your life has a purpose. Your life has a purpose. Tu vida tiene un propósito. Come on. Eh? That's great. Amen. Amen. And if you have encouraged a couple of people, that's all right. Thank you for being a messenger of God this morning. I help, I help me to do this job easier. Amen. That's great. Woo! Purpose. Purpose. We can find many definitions of what purpose is or what it means. But let me tell you that the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. It's far greater than your peace of mind or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this earth, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. I'll say it one more time. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. For Him. By Him. So, and there's this reason why we suffer so many disappointments in life, so many frustrations, anger, bitterness, etc. You know why? Because we have always been seeking our purpose within us. When in reality our purpose is exclusively in God. Amen? So if you want to find your purpose in life, you have to ask God. He's the only one that knows. So let's start today with this question. What is your purpose? What is my purpose? What is our purpose in life? We are no longer trying to figure out whether or not we have a purpose. We know that we have a purpose. Today we can identify with certainty that our life does have a purpose. The problem is knowing where to look for it. So let's go to the Bible. First Chronicles Chapter 28, verse 9 and 10. First Chronicles 28, 8, uh, verse 9 and 10. And here we see this uh, lovely, uh, touching uh, last conversation between David and uh, his son Solomon. How many of you have kids? Raise your hands. Boy, girls, yeah. Maybe not just one. Maybe, maybe you have four or three. Yeah, I have just one. Yeah, what should I do? <laughs> For now, right? So, do you have time? I mean, like, quality time with your children? Don't you love that time where, well, you know, you don't have children, okay. But when, when, when you get to play Legos or you, you get, you know, to watch a movie with them or talk to them and, 
And it's great when you see how they open their hearts to you so you can share something about your own experience in life. You can share to them um, some God's principles, and that's great. So here we see David. This guy loved his son Solomon really much, a lot. And here are his last words to his son. He said, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father. In other words, follow my example. Follow the way I've been walking before God. Could I say that? I mean, do I have the authority to say that to my children today? Follow my example. How I follow my God. And knowledge Him. And serve Him with a wholehearted devotion. And with a willing mind. Willing mind. Like voluntarily. You don't need no one to push you like, come on, go to church and serve God because we need you and we want to push you. No, leaders don't push people. Leaders just lead people. So we see David giving this great piece of advice to his son Solomon. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. Amen? But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now consider now. For the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Be strong. Be strong and do the work. The Lord has chosen you to build a house for him. The Lord has chosen you to build this house. The Lord has chosen you to build your life and family. And now he's saying, be strong, be courageous, and do the work. Do the work. Who's going to teach our children God's principles? Not the school. Not just the Sunday, Sunday morning school teachers in the church. You have to do it. It's your work. You do the work. Do the work. So be strong and do the work. In this powerful, emotional, touching, farewell discourse, David entrusts to Solomon the task of building the temple of Jerusalem, a work which he had in his heart to carry out, David, but which God did not allow. There are things that you will want to do, and God will say, no. You will not do it. Your children will do it. In verse 9, David uh, addresses his son Solomon and asks him four things. Number one, recognize God at all times. Recognize God. Two, serve God with a perfect heart. Recognize God means to, uh, to acknowledge His presence in my life, to, to walk before Him, to be obedient to Him, to, to have a life of devotion for Him, to serve Him. There's a lot of things that need to be done in this church, and the Lord is calling you to serve Him. This is what's all about. Service, creating a culture of service where you come to church not to expect someone to give you coffee. You come to church with this passion of serving others and you come and prepare coffee for others. It's a culture. It's different than the world where you go to a restaurant and you're waiting for someone to take your order. And if they don't come quickly, you start, you know, to, to mumbling and saying, I will not come anymore here, you know. In church, it's different. It's a culture of service. So you come to a church, and you see, for example, a piece of paper on the ground. You pick it up, and you throw it to the garbage, because this is your house. Preach it, 
You want to do that in your house? What if I go to your house and throw all the milk on the floor? What would you do to me? Don't tell me, please. <laughs> so this is your house. Take care of it. But let, let's move from the material to the spiritual. Many of us come to the house to God, gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give gimme. And God is expecting you to come to the house to say, Lord, I'm here to give. I want to give to others. Give encouragement. Give a hug. Give a good morning. God bless you. Pray for others. Or during the week, visit someone that missed church on Sunday. You know, pray for others. Come on Wednesday. Prayer meetings. Be part of church. Serve. So these are the keys. Recognize God. Serve God. Three, serve Him with a voluntary spirit. That's what I'm saying before. You don't need no one to push you to serve. You voluntarily, willingly say, I want to serve. I want to serve God. And number four, and seek him and do not abandon him. This was the purpose of Solomon, to build a house for God. In verse 11, let's go to First Chronicles 28.11. Then it says, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. Now, Take a look at this verse. It says that David not only gave, his, gave to his son instructions, recommendations, or orders, but also he gave to Solomon the plans, the blueprints to build the house. God today is here to give you the blueprints to build your life. The plans that he has for you, for your family, and for your church. But the thing is that what, what good it is to have the blueprints and the, and, and the plans, you know, to build something if I don't go and do it. If I don't go and build. That's why the words of David were so clear at the end. Be strong and do the work. Period. You hear me, kid? Be strong and do the work. <laughs> that's it. That's what, that's what you need to do. That's what we need to do. So today I'm going to share with you quickly seven pillars of your house. Because the temple was built on a foundation, but also have columns or pillars. So your house also have a foundation. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's, his fo- that's your foundation. Everything you do in life needs to be based on Him. But you need to also build columns or pillars in your life. So your life will not be shaky, but your life will be a solid, strong life for God. So are you ready? Amen? How many of you are ready? You are here? Okay. We all, in a, in a broader sense of the word, we all have been called to build the church. But in a narrow sense, we also have been called to build our lives. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that we are God's temple. Yeah? We are God's temple. So turn to your neighbor and say, beware. You are sitting beside God's temple. <laughs> Yeah, we are God's temple. Our spirit, our soul, our our body are God's temple. So we need to build this temple for Him. The first pillar that I want to share with you is purpose. Say with me, purpose. Purpose. Propósito. There you go, Chuck. Thank you. (laughs) The first key is purpose. That's the first P. You will notice that these seven columns, they they all start with P. So they are easy to memorize. First one is purpose. 
The first key is purpose. You need to recognize that your life has a purpose. You need to be passionate about it. You also need to understand this principle. Let me share this principle with you. To build equals to grow. If you're not growing in your life, it's because you're not building anything. You're just laying back, waiting for others to come to your, to your life and build for you. You need to build your life. So you need to grow. If you build your spiritual life, what will happen with you? You will grow in Christ. If you build your relationship with your children, what will happen with your children? They will grow. This amazing principle of building and growing. We need to... Oh, oh Lord, we need the church to grow. Amen? Come on, bring the people, Lord. Bring a thousand people to this, to this temple, this sanctuary. I want to see it full. Can you close your eyes and see this place full? Can you? Yeah, full of Latinos locos. Could you? <laughs> Or you know that Calgary right now has more than 20% of immigrants, eh? Yeah. We need to be expecting people from all the countries. But we need to develop a sense of hospitality and love for our neighbors. Yeah, we are the church. That's our culture. Love, hospitality, service. So, could you imagine this place full? Amen? Could you imagine one morning coming, coming here? And I don't know, let's say that this is your chair. This has always been your chair. Or this is... Freddy's chair, right, Freddy? No. Yeah, no, he's there. So, could you imagine one morning coming to church and you see that someone is there? Hey, that's my chair, and the only and the only spot available is right there in the right there in the back. Yeah. <laughs> but if we want the church to grow, we need to start building. How we build. First, we look for direction. We need the blueprints. Where are the blueprints? God's kingdom. What we do with them? Act. Be strong and do the work. So, and that's the broader sense. But you can take this to your life, to your family, to your marriage. How is your marriage? How is your marriage going? It's growing? It's not growing? You need to build. Spend quality time with your wife. Take, take her out. And not to Wendy's. <laughs> okay, or McDonald's. <laughs> so, Bill. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things built up. That's the key. Not all things that you do have the result of uh, helping you to build up. The challenge we face today is to begin to grow in every area of our lives. That's the big challenge. God expects you to grow in everything, my friend. In everything. In every area of your life. Paul knew well that the goal of his life was to pursue, was the pursuit of a continued growth. Even planting the purpose that God gave him. And even in prison, Paul was able to say, I press on towards the goal. Even in prison. Paul's life was a goal-oriented life. He lived like a champion. Never stop. Never give up. Advancing. Moving forward. Always. He, he always was carrying on with his purpose and constantly seeking opportunities to grow. So what was Paul's goal in life? In Philippians 3.12-14, he says it was the supreme call of Christ Jesus. Even more, the word that he uses in the verse 14 
In Greek is diokokatas kopos. Could you say that with me? Diokokatas kopos. There you go. Which means to pursue and energetically to achieve a purpose with passion. In verse 13, Paul tells us what to do while we are walking towards our purpose. He said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. What is your biggest enemy for your growing? The biggest enemy of your growth is your past. Because you are stuck in the past. And you see these kind of people that, oh, they're good old days. And they, they keep looking at the pictures when they were young, they were happy. And now they compare themselves to, to now. Oh, look, I, I used to have hair. What happened? You know? The good old days. Oh, the good old days when the church was full. Oh, the good old days when my marriage worked perfectly. The good old days. My friend... Past is past. It's over. Get over it. Apostle Paul knew this principle. So every day, you know what he did? He would stand up, take a look to, to the back, and he would say, Pass, goodbye. Failure, goodbye. Mistakes, goodbye. A life of sin, goodbye. Even... The success that I have in the past, good advice, no more. I don't want that success. It's gone. The problem with Christians is that we often look back. We are like Israel, looking always back. Oh, Egypt. How amazing was Egypt, eh? And we miss the opportunity to look to the future. When we, when we have a God who is the God of the future. He wants to bring his future to your life. But the problem is that you are looking to the past. Still looking to the past. And when you decide to move on and stop looking to the past, then you will be able, you will be enabled to look into your own future and start building it. Your future. I mean, some people say, okay, I don't know what the future has for me. No. You can't play life like that. You have to build your future like Paul did. We see a guy who was a visionary. He was visiting churches and in his heart there was the, the passion and, uh, and uh, he, he wanted to go to Spain. And we see writing about it. And he said, I will go to visit you, my friends. He was a man of vision. And you, my friend, me, we need to be Christians of vision. We need to have a vision for future. Where, where do you see your family? In what state do you see your family in five years? What your boys are going to study. I don't know. That's, they will pick. If you don't help them. Somebody else will help them pick. It's the world. It's the friends. Television. Media. Social media. You need to be a man of vision. What you want for your marriage. What you want for your children. What you want for your church. And start building for God's sake. Start building. Don't waste more time. But first of all, look to your past and say goodbye. Could you say it with me, failure? Come on. Goodbye. Come on. Do an exercise. This is a spiritual exercise. Mistakes? Goodbye. Hurts? Hurts? Goodbye. There you go. Goodbye. I press on towards my future. 
towards my goal. Now my question today is, because Paul knew exactly what was his goal. The prize was the supreme call in Christ Jesus. He wants to fulfill the purpose that God had with him here on earth. But my question to you is, what did God call you to do? What is your purpose in life? See, my purpose in life is to teach the word. And I don't care if I'm in front of a thousand or in front of one kid. Because my purpose doesn't, doesn't depend on the circumstances. It depends on a supreme calling. It's based on a supreme calling. Don't wait for the circumstances to be perfect. No, pastor. I can't uh, share the word because there are only three kids in Sunday school morning right now. Ah, I don't feel like it. Then, my friend, you're missing your purpose. Or you are looking to uh, a wrong purpose. Okay? In verse 13, look what Paul says in the NLT. He says, No, dear brothers and sisters. Philippians 3.13. I have not achieved it. Oof, this is amazing. In the era we live right now where we want to show everybody our accomplishments. Oh, yeah. You know, our titles. Our success. Oh, yeah. Did you check out my brand new, I don't know, whatever, Mercedes? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Do you know that I have all this much money and we want just to show off, right? This is the area of showing off. Facebook, Instagram, everything. But here we see Paul being so honest. I have not achieved it. Oof. If Paul didn't achieve it. I have not achieved it yet. That's the thing. Yet. I have not achieved it yet. But I focus on one thing. On one. Sorry. I focus on this one thing. The word there is focus. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So to have the future that God wants you to have. You must have a clear vision for your life. You need to pursue the vision that God has for you. Since your purpose is unique. Then you are unique. When you fully understand this, then you will be enabled to see the vision that comes along with your purpose. Because if you have a purpose, you have a vision. If you have a vision, you have a purpose. That very same thing for which God created you, that is your purpose. Let me say to you that purpose is a glimpse of your end, of your destiny. It's the vision that lets you understand your life. Without purpose, you cannot succeed in life. Without vision, you cannot achieve your purpose since vision is the map of God's purpose. And when you know your purpose, the people around you will not be able to continue manipulating you with their opinions, their expectations, their mandates, and, and extortions. Because you know why you're here, why you're here right now. Because you know your purpose and you have a vision. So it doesn't matter who comes. To try to control you, to try to ma manipulate you, to try to discourage you, you will stand firm. This is my purpose. When you know where, where you are going, then you know which route to take. Amen? When you have a vision of your purpose, you will discipline yourself to take the right path always. And it doesn't matter how good other routes seems to be for you, they are plainly not the right ones because you know they do not lead you to your destination. Also, purpose helps you to determine what's best for your life. Apostle Paul knew this, oh, this tremendous principle. He said, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. In other words, there are, there are 
good things in life. But I don't want the good things. I want the best things. I want God's things for my life. And finally, let me tell you that the only way to know God's purpose and vision for your life is to go to Him and ask Him. So number one, purpose. Number two, the second pillar, passion. Passion. Amen? Passion. Passion is a good thing or a bad thing? Be honest. Good or bad? It depends. Yeah, it's a tricky question. It depends. We need to have balance. But here we see Paul. Do you think that Paul was passionate about the gospel? Or kind of? He was really passionate. Hmm? Now, you notice that you are walking in your purpose and in your vision when you are passionate about it. Like last night, we went to, to have dinner with uh, a brother of my mother-in-law who is here today with us, Sherry. And he's really passionate about his work, his career. They even told me, do not ask him about his work. Because he can, he can go for hours. And I said, okay, then I see a guy who has a vision and a purpose. Because he's passionate about it. You know, when people have to say, man, don't, please, talk to me about other things. I don't want to know anything else about worship. Stop with that, man. Come on. Because you're passionate about it. Or youth. Or family. You know, your ministry. You show this passion inside of you. So it's really important to have passion in life. And to live passionately about something is to give everything you have with the only goal of achieving that same thing that you are passionate about. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus taught this principle. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, that's the word, excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now let's try to understand this parable. The field, my friend, is life. This is the field. The treasure is to found the purpose of your life, which is framed in the setting of the kingdom of God, because you are a citizen of the kingdom. So your treasure is the kingdom of God. It's your purpose in life. It's your goal in life. And in Luke 12, 34, Jesus said that where our treasure is, our purpose in life, there our heart will be also our passion. So many people live without passion because they have not yet found their treasure. Many people live without passion because they have not found their treasure, their purpose. Passion is a type of desire that is even stronger than death. It is energy created for a purpose. It is commitment to a cause that goes beyond the opposition we may face. Now, Jesus had a cause. Do you, do, do you believe that Jesus had a, a purpose? Of course he does. Of, he did. We are his purpose. Jesus had a vision. Could you imagine that powerful conversation between Jesus and Peter? And he said to Peter, Peter, on you I will establish my church. Actually, not in him, in his words, in his declaration. If you go to the Greek. And when Jesus said that to Peter, Jesus had a vision. And the vision of, of, of Jesus was the church. You are the vision of Jesus. 
And Jesus was strong. Jesus was passionate about it. And Jesus was obedient. And he did it. He did the work. He went to the cross. What good it is if you have a great vision but you don't accomplish that vision. In the cemeteries, you know what, what we see there? Thousands of guys, just bodies that are laying, that, re- that represents the life of many who live a life without purpose. It may be good ideas, but without vision. So, Jesus' cause, he knew it, and his purpose of life. And he said, for this cause, I came to the world. Now, the question is, have we found, have we found our, our cause, our vision? When you are passionate about your purpose, people can no longer manipulate you, slow you down, or criticize you when you know exactly what you are living for. And even more, to be passionate about it is contagious. So we need people that are passionate about Jesus Christ today. Like if you're a Christian and you're not passionate about Jesus, I'm here today with all due respect to challenge your Christianity. Are you really a Christian? Are you willing to give or lay down your life for him? And to preach the word? How many, of, how many people have you uh, uh, talked about Jesus this past year? How many have you brought to Jesus? Have you led someone to a prayer of confession or repentance? Or at least have you invited someone to church? Where is your vision? Where is your purpose? We need to be passionate about this. This is... This is not a game. This is life of death. Life of death for many. Number three, people. We need people. Could you turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Come on, come on. I need you. We need people. Yeah? I need you. We need each other. That's the the beauty of the church. We need each other. It's not... Uh, something that I do on my own. You know, I come to church and I worship the Lord on my own. I don't need a musician to do it myself. Uh, I can just stay home and do it from home, you know. No, you need someone. You need the church. You need a body. You need to come. You need to be part of something bigger than you. So we need people. To reach the future that God has in mind for you, you will need to relate to the right people. You need to relate to the right people. Let me share with you a couple of recommendations. Your identity is Christ, only He is the center. Amen? Can you say with me, Jesus is my center. People should never take the place of God in your life. People should never take the place of God in your life. Do not depend on the motivation that other people may or may not give you. Today the people can be, oh, you're awesome. Tomorrow, oh, you're a disgrace. My goodness. Today you have all the applauses. Tomorrow, you are by yourself. Have you been there? So do not depend on the motivation of others. Your motivation comes straight from heaven. Your motivation on fire to do things comes straight from God. Number two, your identity is Christ and He's a servant. So you are a servant. Start looking at yourself as a servant of God. This was the title that Paul loved. I'm a servant of God. Uh, Don't call me apostle. Don't call me this and that. I'm just a servant of God. Servant of Jesus Christ. You are a servant of Jesus Christ too. 
So the servants, the, the servant focuses on giving and blessing others, not expecting others to, uh, to, to uh, give him. You're not, you are an agent of blessing. Bless and you will be blessed, says the Bible. You know, the blessing is not a thing. Blessing is a lifestyle. It, it is not something you receive. You are a blessing. It's a lifestyle. You know, today these kids, they bless us. Playing worship. Today you are blessing someone just being here and in, encouraging someone. You know, today I'm just your servant today. I'm not your preacher, your whatever. I'm just your servant. You need something? Come talk to me. Come talk to the pastor. We are just servants. That's it. We are all servants. And we serve each other and we serve God. And when we serve each other, we are serving Jesus Christ. Since people are not your center, the teachings of God and His principles should be your foundation. And also surround yourself with people who bring you closer to God. Okay? These kinds of people drive you towards God and not to themselves. And be careful with the selection of people who will form your inner circle when, when you need a piece of advice or something. Be careful where you go. Be wise. Be surrounded by wise, spiritual people. Number four, the fourth pillar this morning. Number one was, remember, purpose. Number two, number three, people. Okay, purpose, passion, people. Number four, planning. Planning. How many of you likes to plan? Like, give me a piece of paper and I'm and I'm happy. Or give me a whiteboard. I'm the happiest guy in the world. That's true, right, Pastor? Planning, putting things down. Having a vision. Writing down ideas. So often Christians have the bad habit of not making plans. What are the plans for this week? I don't know. Like every week. Wake up. Have my coffee. Go to work. Come back to, from work. Put the car in the garage. Watch the game. Watch TV. Go to bed. And the day after, the same thing. And the day after, the same thing. So we live a life like it's a routine. And let me tell you something, my friend. Routine kills the passion. Just think about your marriage. Let's go there a little bit, okay? Is that okay with you? Yeah? Routine kills the marriage. Doing the same thing every day. Four years. Routine kills ministries. When you just come to church and you do the same and you say the same things that you say every Sunday and you preach the same thing that you preach every Sunday and you don't even pray about it or just routine, just a work. If you are just an usher, let's say, get out of the routine, do something extra. Okay? If you're just cleaning the church, do something extra. We need, we, if, if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are extraordinary. Not ordinary. Extraordinary. So we are supposed to bring this extra to this world. Also in your workplace. Now I'm just doing what they asked me to do. Do more. The people will, will, will be like, hey man, what is going on with this guy? He's great. I'm going to give him a promotion. Because he doesn't not only do what I'm asking him to do, he's doing extra. He even, he's even bringing ideas for the business. The people will notice. You're a, you're a, 
you're a guy with a vision or you're a visionary, then you will be a manager. God, I want to be a manager. And you don't have a, a vision not even for your family. So we need to change here. Our, the chip inside here, okay? Because we're Christians. And we are the light of this world. We are different. So we need to start planning. We, we must learn to plan. To seek God first and pray. Hear Him. And then plan. Do you remember what we said at the beginning of the sermon about David and his son Solomon? David told him that God will help him in everything. But along with his encouragement, David also gave him the plans of the temple. So you, Solomon, what you need to do is stage one. Uh, any of you is in the, in the construction building? Uh, construction business, sorry. Yeah, who is in the construction business? Hudson? Okay. How, there? How, how do you build a house? You follow a plan. You go through stages, right? It is like that. Everything in life is a process. So you need to follow a plan. Now, my friend, you need to have a plan for the next few years. What is your plan for this year? What is the plan for the next five years? Where are you going? What are your life goals? What your life will look like in five years? I, we, with the pastor, we have a plan for this church. We, we want to see a bigger staff. You know, we want to see youth pastor, worship pastor, evangelism pastors. Oh, you know, you can add all the pastors you want. Immigrant pastors. Uh, <laughs> children pastor. And that would be great. And that's the plan. Right? <laughs> that's the plan. So we have a plan and then comes the action. So uh, a plan is, now take a look at this. A plan is a bridge that leads you from where you are today to where you want to be. A plan is a bridge that leads you from where you are. To, are you happy where you are today? Are you like, this is okay, that's all right. Or you want more. So you need a plan because the plan will bring you from where you are today to where you want to be. Now let me show you how simple it is to write down a plan. But first, let me share that this is biblical. Oh, this is a hard one. Habakkuk. That's how you say it in English? Habakkuk, 2-2. Two, two. It says, and the Lord answered me, write the vision. Write the vision. Plain, simple. Write the vision. Because if you don't write the vision, it will be another good idea. Oh, we don't need more good ideas. We need more vision. You know, for good ideas. Oh, all the time they're good ideas. We need vision. And the vision is different from the good idea in a, in a way that you write it down and you follow it. You make a plan. So, for example, what is the vision of Summit? Write it down. What is the vision of your, for, for your family, for your children? Write it down. Have a journal. You know, what is the vision for a church? Be part. Come and talk to the pastor. Pastor, I have this vision. I would love to see this in church. Let's do it. Not just, pastor, do it. Let's do it. Huh. Would you like that? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can give me the, the, the hundred bucks later for saying that line. <laughs> do it. Let's do it together. So, I'm going to show you how simple it is. Mira. Sorry, sorry, I just went to Spanish. Look. Step one. 
Take a piece of paper. <laughs> Step one. Take a piece of paper. Step two. Draw four columns in this piece of paper. One, two, three, four. Step three. Okay? Step three. I need the note, sorry. In the, second, in, the, in the first column, write a goal for each area of your life. First column is just my goals. Goals. Marriage. My marriage goal. Uh, to have a second children. The second kid. Okay? You like that, man? That's a good vision, right? Second column. First column then, goals. Second column. Set the day when this goal will be achieved. Set the date. If you don't set the date, it's just a good idea. Set the date. For example, I want to, I don't know. Uh, it will be nice to paint the house. Okay? That's a good idea. Let's, let's transform it into a vision. Put it in the first column. Goal, paint the house. Second column, when? This next month. Third column. In the third column, write down how you're gonna, how, how you're gonna to achieve this. How you're gonna do it? How? Okay, I will hire a painter, or uh, I will ask someone at church to help me. Yeah, I will ask Hudson. <laughs> I will ask Wes. No, <laughs> I will ask Ira. He will come, right? And four, the last column. Save the four column for evaluation. Evaluation. Thank you. Evaluation. Evaluation. Pues. <laughs> y evaluation. There you go. Evaluation. So, in that column, you will, you will write down, okay, if you did it, if you didn't do it, why you didn't do it. So, you get to think, okay, why this is not working. Well, it's not because of it, it's because of me. I just, I just postponed it. So it's my fault. I will redo it again. So it goes to the flow, to the first column again. So leadership training seminar quickly inside these brackets. Okay, you got it, idea? No more excuses. Plan. Five. Priorities. We just have three more. Priorities. The five pillar is priorities. When we are clear about our purpose and have set a plan, then we can set priorities for our lives. This way we will be able to dedicate the best quality of our time to our priorities. We must learn to say no to what is not important. We must not live for the urchin and not live anxious and worried. It is important that we learn to organize our week, our, our year, and plan. Let me give you just two recommendations in this point. Give more of what people expect from you or have asked you to do and arrive at meetings and appointments at least 10 minutes in advance. What about that? What about coming to church 10, 10 minutes in advance? Amen? Just... Just you are ready when the church is full and you don't miss your chair. Okay? Ten minutes in advance. Pillar number six, perseverance. Priorities, perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to consistently persist seeking to accomplish what you have been created to do. It is a firm determination. When you are perseverant, you refuse to stop. My friend, you cannot allow someone to divert you from the purpose of your life. You must resist any, any opposition, deception, or distraction and carry on. And this is, wow, this, this was Jesus' advice in Matthew 24. He said, in a, in a really like um, 
like uh, if Jesus was talking to himself, he said, when I come back, will I find faith on earth? What does that mean, Jesus? In that context, right? Jesus was talking about the end times. And if, if you look at the newspaper today, and you compare that to Matthew 24, let's say Matthew 25, Jesus' uh, speech from the, uh, during you know, the, the Easter week, he speaks about this, and he said it will be like this. And inside all those events, there's this question from Jesus, and that gave me goosebumps. When I come back to earth, will I find faith? He's speaking about the church. Because many of us, we don't understand faith. You know that if you go to the Greek of the word faith, it's pistis in Greek, and means faithfulness. To have faith is to be faithful to God. Not just to, to, have to be positive, like, I believe that I will receive it. But to be faithful. Now, so Jesus was saying, when I come back, will I find faithful people? In my church, faithful. And to be faithful, you need to, be pers- uh, you, you need to have perse- perseverance. So the teaching that, that Jesus shared to his apostles also, I mean, he shared about this amazing story about a friend, a uh, visitor, remember? This friend arrived at night totally unexpectedly, so the man went to the house of another friend asking, you know, for some bread to give to his visitor. And all, all that story. And the Bible says that this neighbor said, No, I'm in bed. I won't open the door for you. It's four in the morning. What you, what you want? And then he continued knocking, 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 until he got what he needed. Those, pieces, those uh, loves of breath. So the key is perseverance. In life, for your purpose to be accomplished, you need perseverance. And the last one that I want to share with you, potential. Potential. You have potential inside of you. You, you, yeah, you. There's a potential inside of you. The Bible says, Jesus said, that our experience with him will be like going from a fountain of waters inside of us to be a river for others. The river represents your potential. A lot of people are thirsty in this world. They need Jesus. And you have the potential to bring Jesus to them. Potential. It's, uh, potential are, is a... Uh, you know, that group of abilities and talents and gifts that you have that no one else has because you're unique. Potential is the last pillar of this complex building. Potential simply means that God has already put within you everything you need to fulfill your purpose. God's vision for your life, my friend, is equal to his provision. You, you want God to provide? Amen? Or not? He's, he's listening, eh? <laughs> I'm, just asking, I'm just asking them what you ask me. Some of them say yes, some of them say no, okay? <laughs> you want his provision? Then you need his vision. Because his provision goes with his vision for your life. When there is a vision, there is provision. Do not ever quit because you don't have the money. I can't come to church because I don't have the money to go. That's just an excuse. Money is just a thing. Money can, can, can't govern your life or your decisions. Okay? Where there is vision, there's money. So we need his vision. Your potential is equal to the purpose you have to fulfill. And your responsibility is equal to your ability. Potential. 
Now let me share this last thought. Many, right now in the world there are a lot of people saying, you just need to be yourself, right? Just be yourself. Okay, the thing is this, the Bible says you have to stop being yourself and you have to start being like Christ. And for doing so, stop, we, we will not tell you be yourself, we will tell you die to yourself. That's what Paul said. And that's the last thing that I want to share with you this morning. If you want this building to grow, then you need to build this building for His glory. If you want your life to grow, okay, build, build, build your life for God's glory. Your marriage, God's glory. Your children, God's glory. Your family, God's glory. Your business, God's glory. Your ministry, God's glory. Your church is for God's glory. Amen. So let's go quickly through the seven points that we shared today, okay? Number one was purpose. Number two? Number three? Number four? Number five? Sex? Siete? Seven. Potential. Potential. Okay. Which one of these ones is the hardest for you to, you know, to, uh, to follow or to... To try to grow on. I mean, your purpose. Do you know where, why you are here? Do you know why you are on, on this earth? What about your passion? What about people? I hate people, some people say, right? <laughs> well, you are people, so you hate yourself. You know? We need people. So how are your relationships? Oh, no, I don't talk to that person for years. What? How can you live like that? And even more, if, if, if he's a Christian, you're going to share heaven, eternity with him. Okay, what's the point of being mad at him now? When, when, and when you get into heaven, you have to see his face again. And God is so wise that he will put his house right beside you. <laughs> People. What about planning, eh? I just show you just an idea, okay? And we need, we need this. I mean, the Lord said that to uh, the prophet, Avakuk. Write down the vision. Do a plan. He said the same with the... I mean, Jesus... Do, 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 do you believe that Jesus used to uh, wake up in the morning and say, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go fishing. Oh, today I'm feeling like sharing, sharing the, the Sermon of the Mountain. No. Jesus had a plan because he knew that his time on earth was short. So he didn't waste time. Stop wasting your life. Had a plan. Have a plan. Write it down. Share, uh, pray about it. You know, build it together with your wife, with your family. Five, priorities. Come on, let's have priorities. For me, Sunday, priority number one. Man, it's not soccer, football, basketball, whatever. It's, the God, it's God's. It's the house of the Lord being here. This is priority. Come on. Now, I need to take my kids to a tournament. I'm okay with that, but... Can't you talk to the coach and say, Coach, you know what? On Sunday, my kid will not play basketball for you. Because there is a game that is more important. It's the game of life. And he needs some God's principles. So he will come to church with me. You know? You have six days to do whatever you want. And this goes back to the book of Exodus. The day of the Lord. On Sunday, you have to be here. At least one day. 
I mean, today, uh, they say, some people say, you know, some people that study church, they say that the, the average Christian just go to church two times a month. And I'm thinking like Jesus, when Jesus gave, came back to, to earth, will he find faith? Are you kidding me? Being part of church two days in a month? What kind of relationship you have with Jesus? <laughs> oh, but you know, it's personal. Go to the Bible and tell me where you find that. It's personal. Salvation is personal. It's collective. It's not always been about, be, about being a body. Being a church. Being an, an assembly. Just saying, you know. <laughs> Don't throw rocks, okay, at the, this poor Argentinian. Ah, priorities. Perseverance. Perseverance. Be, come on, be persistent. Do you remember that time when, I mean, when you tried to impress who is your wife right now? And, you know, you were persistent. Like, she said no one time. Right? How many of you? Anyone? That, who is your wife right now? First time she turned you down? Anyone? Wes. My goodness. Good, good for you, Wes. <laughs> Anyone else? There you go. Oh, Freddie? Go. Charlie? Nice. nice. That's good. Oh, okay. Uh, what, what happened with you, Freddie? What happened with when Rita said no? What did you do? Let's see. Let's just wait. I'm coming. I'm coming to you. What did you do? I'm still looking for her. Five, five for five years. Five for five years. Oh, my goodness. There you go. That's perseverance. Now, let's bring that to Christ and your faith. Fight, 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 fight the good fight for the Lord. So, perseverance. And the last one was potential. You have potential. You have a lot of things to give. Come on. Stop looking at your life. Oh, I don't know if I can speak. I don't know if I can say something in public. I, I, I can't sing. We, 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 we think that church is about singing and talking in public. And it's not about that. It's about relationships. It's about building relationships with, with others. Like you can open your house and you can say, you know, I will invite my neighbors to come and we're going to pray for their needs. You know, we're going to open the Bible. You know, there's so many things to do. Organization, planning. We have events to do as a church to impact the community. Okay, bring your vision. Come on, you're a man of vision. We want to see you here. You are a woman of, of, of vision and, and, and with a huge heart for the community, for the loss, or for the immigrants. Come, let's do something together. Let's plan. Okay, let's work for God. Amen? So, I invite you to close your eyes and as the, the worship team goes...